And after this wonderful um, Qigong exercise, feel probably refreshed and not so kind of uh, tired. After the meal, we usually, all of the energy goes into the stomach and then we feel tired. And that's why we have the Tai Chi always, or the Qigong always after that. So helping us to stay awake. And I just wanted to speak a little bit more on on the four Brahma Viharas this afternoon. And, uh, you know, one way of uh, speaking the, uh, the Brahma Viharas is to see them as four tones of universal empathy and, you know, qualities of the human heart which are innate in the human heart, but they, if we don't, don't consciously you know, work to cultivate them and to remember them, then they are not so easily accessible for us in, in daily life, especially, you know, when we are challenged by some something that's happening, some interactions or, or some difficult emotional situations. You know, if we have uh, a capacity, you know, to... to bring those four Brahma-viharas forth in those moments, that's why we are practicing the Brahma-viharas, you know, so they will make a difference in our lives. And uh, they are basically, you know, according to the teachings, they are recommended ways of relating to other human beings and to other beings, you know, animals and to nature. They are ways of, you know, of expressing the teachings in in the way we we speak and and we and we relate and you know realized beings generally display those qualities you know depending on their character they might display one more than the other but i remember my first teacher was a, a forest monk in the south of thailand archan buddhadasa what most struck me when i saw him for the first time was like a very powerful equanimity you know which he was exuding but just the way he was sitting the way he was walking the way he was speaking it was just like so much like a a display of equanimity and i felt very kind of attracted by that you know i, I felt i want to be like him and and that's what got me originally interested you know he was this uh, unshakability of the heart you know not not dependent on causes and conditions, but being able, you know, to open and to receive all of those and not being overwhelmed. So that's what it originally got me interested and I'm still working on it. But it's, you know, the, we can say, you know, the equanimity is actually the consummation of the Brahma-Vihara practice because all three other Brahma-Viharas are basically together becoming the equanimity because equanimity is not a, a, a disconnection from what is but fully being with it and and uh, being able to stay open and let whatever is happening you know let let allow oneself to be really deeply touched by it and you know as as uh, we said before you know, the the matter is 
or benevolence is the foundation of the practice because it's the capacity you know to have an open heart and to to fully be with experience and it's like a sense of caring and a sense of protection and Ananabodhi was mentioning you know it's that uh, it's compared with the sun at noon which shines on everything in the same way isn't picking and choosing and and sometimes it's also compared, you know, with the love of a mother for her child, you know. Like a mother having, you know, her little baby. And just the, the beauty of this little baby and the mother's heart is just like effortlessly opening, you know, if they are reasonably healthy. That's what, what naturally tends to happen. There's no need to make that happen. And then Karuna is compared you know, with the uh, compassion, compared with the sun setting in the evening. And uh, it's like a capacity you know, to, to turn towards suffering and to kind of be moved into action by first opening to the suffering and then moving into some kind of action. Sometimes is doing something and sometimes nothing can be done. And... The next quality is mudita, or sympathetic joy, or, or rejoicing in the good fortune of others. And that's compared, you know, with the sun rising in the early morning. And there's, you know, the sun reflecting in the dewdrops and the, the glory of that, you know, when the heart wells up in joy by just, you know, witnessing something which is beautiful or inspiring and it's then also nourishing for ourselves not only you know for people who have something happening something lovely happening or some good fortune happening and then we can also be nourished by that by you know being moved by that even we might not have a good fortune at that moment but that is enough to just witness it in others and this is the absence of discontent or like absence of a feeling of deficiency. And then uh, that's compared, you know, with a, a mother, you know, rejoicing in her child having, you know, having some success in school maybe or having some success in some kind of sport or something. And then the mother being really very proud and happy about that. And forgot to mention the example about compassion and a mother being at the sick bed of her child and she would do anything, you know, she would take on the illness of the child if only the child would be would be okay. And then Ubeka is the combination of all three and it's it's uh, compared with the full moon, you know, which is uh, receiving its light from the sun, but it has a coolness to it. And it has a kind of a, a stillness to it. And we can compare it with the love of a, of a grandmother, you know, who has been seeing so many things already and she isn't so easily shaken up anymore. And she understands, you know, the child has to make its own mistakes and she's just going to be there, you know, for the child to come to her when, when, it, when the child needs support. So it's a different kind of love than the love of the mother of the child, probably. Uh, like a sense of, um, you know, experience and, and stability which comes from 
having gone through a lot herself before. So those four qualities, you know, they augment each other and, and they work together. And uh, we can cultivate them either, you know, through those meditation practices we have been sharing with you today, or we can also cultivate them by admiring them in other people. You know, some people who are very famous for being embodiments of those qualities, like, for example, His Holiness the Dalai Lama is one, or uh, Mother Teresa, the Amma, the Hugging Mother, or Nelson Mandela, you know, different really great human beings, you know, who have had often a lot of hardship in their own lives and have used those very hardships, you know, to, to cultivate those qualities. And then when we see them, they reflect those, reflect it back to us that we also have them in our heart and that we can also cultivate them. And that's why people are attracted, you know, because it's a very encouraging um, experience, you know, to have that so clearly reflected back. And then everybody flocks to those people. And sometimes we don't even know, you know, what it is. But it's that, you know, connection from heart to heart, which is you know, bypassing the, the, there's no need to teach with words, but it's just a look or a gesture, you know, or just the silence, which is communicating that capacity, you know, which we all have. And, and then also, you know, when those, uh, those four Brahma Viharas, when they are present in, in, the, in the heart or in the mind, if the mind is free from hindrances, and I don't know if you've heard about the five hindrances, which are desire, and when the heart, you know, is free from desire, according to the early teachings, that's expressed as being free from debt, and the heart free from aversion, is compared, you know, with somebody who has been getting healthy again after a long time of illness and a heart free of uh, sloth and topper is compared with somebody who has been released from prison and a heart free of doubt is someone who has you know been on a dangerous journey and has returned home um, whole and and uh, safely and then a heart free of restlessness and worry is someone who has been released from bondage. So that's very strong imagery you know, of, of what it means you know, to have a heart free from those hindrances. And then if the hindrances are not kind of overwhelming or overshadowing the heart, then those four Brahma-viharas, we can quite easily access them. And those images you know, they can help us get an idea of what, how that feels, you know, because we can all imagine how it is, you know, if you're going through the desert without food and water and then you come to a place where there is safety. It's a sense of, of you know, putting down a burden. And those Brahma-viharas, you know, you have tasted it this morning, I hope, you know, it is a, a sense of boundlessness. It's putting down 
something, you know, which we usually feel very much limited by. It's a temporary liberation from those hindrances or those boundaries or those limitations. And that gives us a taste, you know, how a a well-cultivated mind actually is. And through getting this taste, you know, in the meditation we we familiarize ourselves with it more and more and then it's easier and easier accessible for us. And, you know, those the, the capacity for empathy has very powerful consequences for us, you know, like civilization is is possible, you know, and big groups of people working together is possible because of that power of empathy which we have. And, uh, you know, in the evolution of the human species, for example, you know, the evolution of the brain is is based on the capacity for empathy because so that people could, you know, work together in teams and through that, you know, the women were able to have, you know, babies like human babies who need a lot of care for many, many years. There's no other animal, you know, on this planet where the young stay so long with the, with the, with the core family. And that is possible because of the capacity of working together in groups. And so the empathy is a, is a glue, you know, for human civilization, for the human species to evolve. And even, you know, we haven't been that great in some respects, you know, but in other respects we have been able to do amazing things and there's much more capacity in us and we can access it by practicing in this way, you know, by coming back to that innate quality and and make more of it. And, uh, you know, Using that as a as an avenue to to prepare ourselves to be able to make the changes which we need to make if we would like to stay around here. And uh, you know, it's it's a capacity to to sustain relationship, and it has to start you know with ourselves first. To be able, you know, to sustain a relationship with our own mind states, really. That's where it starts. And if we can do that, then it will be also much more possible, you know, to stay in relationship with others. Because we have a lot in common. You know, we all, those five hindrances, they are the same for everybody. No matter, you know, where you come from. Any human being, you know, has those five hindrances. We are completely the same when it comes to that. And, you know, the, the acknowledgement that, you know, our power and our pain, you know, arises from those same qualities which we all share. And, and we do have ways, you know, of encouraging those qualities which lead to, you know, healing and which leads to, like, an ever deeper connection with reality. And we don't need to go down ways of distraction and consuming and, you know, of trying to turn away from the difficulties of life. And, and those four Brahma Viharas are a very good 
equipment, you know, to be able to soften and to open. And they are very, very simple practices, but they are very powerful in their simplicity. Because, you know, you can always remember that. Any moment, it doesn't require any, any you know, depths of study or, you know, a lot of intellectual knowledge of the teachings. It's, it's very, very simple. And because of that simplicity, it is very powerful. And it has to start, you know, with ourselves. And, you know, really great human beings who have been able to contribute a lot, you know, to relieve suffering of others. They had those qualities in, developed to a very, very big extent. And because of that, you know, they could stay connected through very great challenges and not shut down and, and run away. And then, you know, because of that capacity, they could wait for the right moment, you know, and then make a big difference for lots of people. So it's very wonderful practice. And, you know, in the beginning when I started to practice, I was all interested in, in inside meditation, in vipassana. I felt, you know, that's what, uh, what would kind of, you know, be the way through and the way out, you know. And I did completely underestimate, actually, the power of the Brahma Viharas because I didn't really at that point understand it, you know. But then, if one stays with the practice, then it can become very challenging at times, you know. And then the Brahma Viharas are really the only access, you know, which... which which stays because it's like uh, a softening, you know, and uh, and um, making a making space, and that can sometimes be the only way. There is no way to really, you know, penetrate or with the sword of wisdom to to go through something. The only thing what can be done is is you know to open and to embrace what is happening, and. So it's a very important kind of counterpart to the to to the inside practice. You know, it's like a very powerful way of preparing the mind and of gathering everything together, you know, and then soften and heal and allow, you know, to just allow the process to to do its own thing until we are ready, you know, to look deeper into it. And, you know, that is something we can, you know, learn through through the practice when it's time, you know, to use those warm practices of the Brahma Viharas or the more the cool practices of Vipassana or insight, you know. And for different people, different methods are right at different times and you know, they're all available for you and you can apply whatever works for you. The cool practices or the warm practices or like, or both of them. For example, you know, the Brahma Vihara meditation we did, you know, we were using metta and then afterwards karuna as a way, you know, to really be deeply connected with our experience and then at the end I was saying, you know, and even that 
boundless state is impermanent and that's when we bring in the vipassana you know so the first is a, a certain time of brahma vihara practice and then we can also look at it in terms of insight and in terms of the characteristics where for example impermanence is the most often spoken about you know seeing even those beautiful states they are impermanent and then you know we are using both practices combined in one uh, session of meditation so there is you know many different ways how we can uh, use those practices and the brahma viharas are you know sometimes it's like uh, it's conditioning the mind to be able to stay open with that which is difficult to bear sometimes and at the same time you know also being aware you know it's not only up to us we can you know we put in the causes and conditions and for practice and we do the best we can and then we have to let go and that's what equanimity is also you know teaching us a lot we can only do what we can do and then we have to let go and be with what is and equanimity you know is that culmination of the other three brahma viharas which enables us to to be steady with whatever is happening not by you know kind of turning away but by a deep sense of rootedness in ourselves and in you know the depths of what can happen you know at any moment in life and and using all of those experiences for for cultivating our hearts and our minds and you know i'm hoping we can you know help you in some ways to have more supports for that and now ayanana bodhi is going to guide us in a sitting meditation and if you'd like to get up stand up for a moment to stretch your legs please do that thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org/donate